Hi, Katie. And hi, everyone. Welcome to, to, to Girl, Girls, Girls Just, just Wanna. Yeah. <laughs> It's taken us like 20 seconds to just say one sentence. (laughs) We'll we'll get to it. Well, I was about to say it's our first holiday episode as if Halloween didn't happen. But to be fair, it was not a usual Halloween. I was just going to say all of the holidays have been like they're still holidays except not. It's it's like a diet holiday. Holiday light, if you will. Yeah. Yep. And you know what's interesting is that I think probably some people, or most people at some point, have been like, man, I really don't want to, like, go see 100 people for Christmas or go, like, to Thanksgiving. Right. It's just going to be so exhausting and stressful and, like, all the cooking and, like, whatever. And now it's like, hey... This is your year. <laughs> yeah, but now everyone's like, "No, I I actually love my family. What are you What are you talking about? I can't live without stuffing. Are you insane?" Uh, I just I just think that like the holidays are unnecessarily stressful. So, I'm hoping that like people will take this time to like reevaluate like what's really important and maybe in future years when we can get together like with everyone you know you you approach it a little bit differently because it shouldn't be it should be like fun and celebratory and not stressful absolutely that's really a nice sentiment aurelia i'm just giving out sage advice over here i'll be here (laughs) for 20 minutes (laughs) 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 or however long we end up recording perfect um do you go ahead (laughs) I was just going to ask if, like, your family had Thanksgiving traditions that you normally do or if it's kind of a show-up-and-eat deal. So when I was little, we would always go to my cousin's grandma's house. Like, my grandma was friends with my cousin's grandma. They all, like, lived in Cincinnati close to each other. And they would always do this huge thing at Banos that was their grandma um so I probably did that until I was like I don't know in middle school maybe and then we started we did a couple Thanksgivings at my parents house um and then like a couple years we did it with like my (laughs) my parents friends like and then Probably the past five years, my Thanksgiving tradition has been traveling on Thanksgiving, like taking a vacation. So I went to... Oh, yeah. Weren't you in California last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to LA with my friend Kelsey, um, and it was really fun. Um, And then the year before, I went to Denver, and I was with my, my, my family here that that um lived in Denver and some other family came to visit and then I went to North Carolina a couple years before that so I I Thanksgiving isn't like huge in my family like we like to cook and obviously like to see each other 
But I like to take it as an opportunity to like take a vacation. And I think that makes it way less <laughs> stressful and more like relaxing. So yeah, what about you? Um, Growing up, my family, we would do like two Thanksgivings in one day. We would go to my mom's parents' house, do a Thanksgiving like lunch there. We always played a football game. Um, at some point the football was like under, you know, like hidden under someone's shirt or my little baby brother would be the football, uh, you know, classic football plays. Um, and then we would go to my dad's parents for Thanksgiving dinner. So we did that for a long time, which was like just a long day. Now we are even more basic and we do the Thanksgiving 5k in the morning every year which as you know is not ever my idea um do you like feel pressure to like run or are you just like you do because if it were me if it were me I would be like I'm gonna power walk and maybe I'm gonna just do my own thing and I'll see you guys in four hours yeah well here's the thing for everyone that doesn't know my family's like real into running both my brother and sister ran all through high school very good at it my brother runs in college so they're done in like five minutes that's an exaggeration but they're done fairly quickly and I am not a runner at all but I have to like that's the thing is I'm never gonna run it fast but if I can just run it then I feel accomplished but I don't know about this year because we're not going to the like big run where all the people are going to be that seems like wait they're still doing it I I don't really I don't really know I think it's maybe optional so we we still like signed up for it but now it's just going to be tracked like on you're just gonna like do it in your neighborhood or whatever yeah my brother is supposedly coming up with a course for us (laughs) Um, but here's the thing. I don't know about you. Cute though, that he's like, oh yeah, no, it'll be good. I just like, I mean, I'm not really a runner and really the only way I think I'm able to actually finish the 5k usually is that I'm surrounded by other people also running. So I like have lots to distract myself with and I'm like, well, they're still going. I can still go. I think when I'm by myself, I'm not good at continuing uh, to do something I don't like. So I think I'll just at some point be like, I could walk instead now. So I don't know. This may be the first year where I don't run the whole thing. We'll, we'll see. But that's... Did, jo- did Joe do it? Did he run last year? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. He did not. Did, did he go with you? He Yes, he did go. Um, and he was a wonderful cheerleader on the side uh, that he is not a runner. So he doesn't feel the same pressure that you do then. <laughs> no, and that could be said for so many things. Uh, <laughs> but I get it. It's like your yeah. family and your guys' thing. I totally understand that. Um, speaking of Thanksgiving, we have a very special edition of like love or ug prepared for you guys yes a fan favorite game at this point Uh, i think think joe was it joe that told us that he liked it or did i make that uh, not your boyfriend joe our friend joe 
I know. It's so confusing. And they're the only people we ever talk about. Um. <laughs> yeah, this podcast about women, we only talk about these two. We men. only talk about two men, <laughs> both named Joe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't remember if he said that he liked it or not, but I'm just going to say yes. Somebody must have liked it. Maybe the somebody um, must have. Maybe the very kind soul that left left us a, a review on um, iTunes. Yeah, maybe she likes it. Anyway, yeah. so like lover ug Thanksgiving edition. Okay. Did you have things you thought of, or yes? Me to go? Okay, go ahead. So, okay, <laughs> okay, turkey. Green bean casserole, mashed potatoes. Here's what I would answer for that. I would say love mashed potatoes. Huge fan of mashed potatoes. Truly can't get enough of them. Uh, I'm going to say like turkey and... Uh, for green bean casserole. Here's why, though. We, green bean casserole was not really ever served at any of my Thanksgivings. And so I just don't feel like I can really evaluate it. So that's why I'm putting it at the bottom. What, what's your ranking? Well, I would say I'm actually on the same boat as you is that I never had green bean casserole um, like as a kid, really, because my parent, like my parents, don't buy like canned soup. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I like love it now as an adult. Like I will like it's like a I could eat it outside of Thanksgiving. So I would say green bean casserole, love mashed potatoes, like and turkey, ugh. Like I could give two shits about. <laughs> The turkey. I we didn't even have turkey last year. <laughs> I I like will take one or two pieces, like just because I feel like obligated. And sometimes I don't even. I just feel like the sides are the true stars. Yes. And that's what I'm interested in. And like I would very much agree with that. And also to be honest, I didn't say this. As one of the options, but like my real two favorite Thanksgiving foods <laughs> are canned cranberry sauce, like the jellied kind that yes. like looks like a fucking, you know, <laughs> and stuffing. Like our friend Joe, he sent me a video of last year. We went to Metro Diner and like I'm a huge fan of like thanksgiving specials at restaurants like special thanksgiving sandwiches or like oh that's so funny (laughs) yeah i live for it like in november i'm like hunting (laughs) hunting for the thanksgiving sandwich but metro diner did a stuffing waffle with mashed potatoes turkey gravy and like a cranberry sauce on the side oh that sounds real good it was amazing, and I t- was talking about it in the car on the way home, and Joe recorded it. I will put it on our social media. It's yes. very embarrassing for me, but funny. And I am team stuffing 365, not just Thanksgiving. If you're like okay. that, like, please reach reach out to us. Yeah, I love, you guys could 
make like a support group or something. Yeah, um, it's really hard out here. Um, what's like your ultimate Thanksgiving favorite? Mashed potatoes, ooh, mac and yeah. cheese. Um, mac and cheese is controversial. I feel like mac and cheese is not always considered like a Thanksgiving must have. Yeah, I will say we usually don't have mac and cheese at our Thanksgivings, but also we have a lot of stuff that is not maybe normal Thanksgiving. Like we'll have like, like Brussels salad. sprouts. Well, mm, no, I like a really. fall salad. But we have like Brussels sprouts. We have a lot of like squash, root vegetables, sort of deal. Um, yeah, I mean last year we didn't even have turkey. My uh, my grandma used to make that potato dish that's like potato and then it has like the cornflakes on top do you know what i'm talking about like like a very potato common tan thing like scallop no, potatoes no. potatoes no, no, no. with cornflakes i've never heard of that before okay no this is very much a midwest thing i know people know what i'm talking about it's like diced potatoes and some kind of like cream base and like cheese and then there's like uh yeah cornflakes on top it's like a like cheesy potato casserole thing yeah pretty much yeah um she, she used to make that a lot that was a real big hit um i don't know what my favorite is probably mashed potatoes i really love mashed potatoes and, and gravy. mashed potatoes and gravy <clears throat> i'm definitely in the same camp as you are as far as the like root vegetables and brussels sprouts like my, I love vegetables, all, truly. All, me too. And, you know, my parents, they're like, they are vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that has a different meaning. But I'm meaning like, you know, like the healthy kind. Aurelia's um, parents are hippies, if you don't know. Um, I mean, they're very cool. you know what? My name is Aurelia. That's what I always tell people. Like, yeah. how could you it's not like, what know? do you expect? <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, so everybody, we hope you have a really lovely Thanksgiving. Be safe. Be careful. It's okay to say no to plans. I would, uh, I would say that. Um, and just enjoy the, the couple days off if you're lucky enough to get some time off. Yeah, light a candle, put on Netflix. Take a chill pill or two and just That's have a right. nice time. That's right. Um, okay, so as always, uh, let's talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, what oh, we're enjoying yeah, yeah, yeah. these days. So I finally finished uh, The Queen's Gambit. I know it took me a long time to get there. Um but I binged like the second half of it this week. And I got to say, I, the last like two episodes were so, so good. I was just like, oh, I love television. It's amazing. The second half is definitely like much faster paced than the first half. But I mean, the whole thing is good. But then it really kind of like picks up. I know. I don't want to like say any spoilies um, for people because I, I really – Think people should watch it don't just be like no nah, i don't care i know it's probably good but like it's really good you should definitely it's worth yeah. the hype I've, um here's my question should watch it. oh sorry aurelia yeah no. everyone should watch it what's your question oh my question for you is which uh boy do you think is cutest <laughs> oh 
Um, of like her like potential like lovers, like the people yeah. that she I would say Yeah, like the main three that I kind of think of are um Harry, Benny, and then her <clears> friend <throat> that I don't I don't remember his name. The reporter guy, the photo guy. Oh, like it's like a last name, like Watkins or something, but that's not it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, um I think honestly, I know these this wasn't an option, but I think the twins <laughs> are the cutest. Oh yeah, her little friends. They're they are so cute. When they whenever they show up, I'm like, yay. I know. I love the twins and I love that they're like friends with her mom and stuff. I thought it was so cute. Um, but I would say Benny mostly because like he's British and he has a great American accent okay (laughs) but Harry is also British did you know this so I you know who he is I I read some articles about uh that the three of the main cast members were all British like that that was like a deliberate choice by the director um um and and I think it made like it was like I don't know. Anyways, do I know who he is? Like, was he in, like, Harry Potter or something? Yeah, he played uh, Dudley, the Harry Potter's, like, mean cousin. Oh, my God. Right? Wait, Talk I about, see like, a fucking now. glow up. Are you kidding? That's Both crazy. he and the guy that played Neville ended up being, like, super cute. And then oh, Neville's, like, really hot. Yeah, Neville definitely, like, hit it out of the park. And then I feel like the people who are, like, the guys who are the main characters, like Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint, not that they're unattractive, but they didn't have quite the same they, well, glow they, up, they if you They started as being like, relatively so attractive and, yeah. or cute, yeah. Um, also, And then the, the guy that plays Benny is from he was in he's Love the Actually, in Love Actually. Which is, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Um, it's about the season to watch it. I know. You can check I, it I out. Gotta, I think it might be on Netflix. I think that's right. I don't know. It's somewhere. Um, I'm so glad you watched it. I I highly recommend. Meg's watched it. Both my parents have watched it. Nobody it's so good. is safe my, from me my recommending it. My grandma watched it. it. <laughs> and I think that's like the nice thing is that it's a very like appropriate for any like lots of different ages like I feel like there are some shows that I'll like be into and I'll tell my parents to watch them and they're like this is not for us no my like grandma <laughs> who's in her 80s watched it and liked it so yeah definitely really yeah, for my all mom, ages my mom loved it she watched it in one day <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah it's a and that's the other nice thing about it is it's only seven episodes so it's actually like not that much of a time commitment to get right. into because sometimes people recommend things and I'm like, oh, but it's like four seasons. I don't know. But this you could definitely do in a week, a weekend even. So absolutely worth, worth it. Um, Speaking of British actors doing American accents, yesterday I watched the trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Have you seen is this? It a, is it a movie? It, yes, it's a two. It's two hours. I thought it was going to be like a mini series. Um, and that's why I was like putting it off. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to start this. And then I realized it's like a movie and it's just two hours long. And so I finished it yesterday. It's so good. 
Okay. Like, I, I'll watch it. Amazing. I'm like, I think um, I've been watching so much TV lately that I've, like, felt like I've run out of things to watch, which I know isn't true, but... <laughs> no, um, I, I get that feeling. Yeah. Do you, Have you ever watched... This is my recommendation for you. And I would say the okay. first and second season are best. Okay. And it's on... Do you have Hulu? Uh, Fargo, the TV show? That is... Yeah, that's definitely on our list I think here's the problem is that's going to be a show that Joe and I will probably watch together because I think he wants to watch it too but right now we're finishing a uh, better call Saul which is really good I don't know if you did you watch Breaking Bad I did and and I I feel like better call Saul I could get into it Breaking Bad though like near the end and I think I made the mistake when I was watching Breaking Bad that I watched it all in like a really short period of time and it's so fucked up that it's like hard to watch it in that way. It's like the same thing with um, like Handmaid's Tale. It's a little, it's different, but it's just so like, you're just like, it's just like everyone gets fucked in every episode. It's very stressful. I did not like Breaking Bad when I started it. And then I kind of got into it. And then by the end of it, I hated it again because I just didn't like any of the characters. I mean, I liked Jesse and that was it. And I was so annoyed with everyone. And everyone's like, you know, dead and whatnot. Um, Better Call Saul is so good. It's like just so much better than Breaking Bad. You are rooting for everyone. And that's like my favorite kind of show. Is it's it so like good. funnier? So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, lighter. I think it's a little bit lighter, um, but, you know, there's still, like, I mean, still, still stuff a lawyer for, like, going criminals. on, but, yeah, but it's, it's even, like, before that, it's, it's just really, it's really good, and I think that, you know, if you put in the time of watching Breaking Bad, you deserve to watch Better Call Saul, like, that's your, it's your gift now that you have made that, uh, sacrifice, <laughs> Of all the hours spent watching Breaking Bad. So I definitely recommend it. And then I think, yeah, maybe when we're done with that, maybe we'll watch Fargo. Uh, first two seasons like really are like. amazing. The second, the third season I watched most of, and it's good, but I, the first two seasons feel the most connected to the movie. Like they, and I don't know if that's why I liked them the best. And it's like an anthology series, so the cast changes every time, which I like. That's kind of fun. The other show that you should watch, and I may have told you this before, is Killing Eve. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet, but I like Sandra O. Oh, so. Highly recommend. Joe, not your boyfriend, the other Joe, he got me into it. And it's like, I think there's two or three seasons on Hulu. First two seasons are like, chef's kiss so good right um uh, there's so much good tv out right now we're t- we're so lucky what we're was so the other thing this oh trial the seven oh whatever. yes the trial of the chicago seven so here's what it's about just brief synopsis it's real uh, right it like it's yeah a- yeah 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 based on a true story uh the democratic convention in chicago uh the year that nixon ended up uh winning the presidency from the republican side um the Democrats nominated someone that wasn't very progressive and wasn't really anti-war enough uh, for a lot of like progressive uh, Democrats. And so 
a bunch of different anti-war groups, their leaders kind of like put together this peaceful protest, but then it turned into uh, like a violent clash between the protesters and the Chicago police. And it's all about the trial of these like these leaders that were arrested for inciting violence and, you know, whether or not that's actually what happened. And it's just, it's crazy. The acting's really good. It has a lot of good people in it. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's just the whole time you're watching it, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is like real life. Can't wait. Very excited. I will, I'll probably watch it today. <laughs> you should. Oh my gosh. And then text me. Okay, I will. Um, okay, so I'm not really sure how to pivot from movies and TV to this next thing that we're going to talk about, but... Well, here's why I brought this up on my Instagram story. Here's why I asked it, is because... Are, are we talking about skin care? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah. Okay. Um, I asked on my Instagram story for skincare recommendations because all of the Black Friday deals are going on right now. And I really like to buy things during Black Friday sales that instead of just like getting them regular time because they're cheaper. So that's why I was asking for skincare recommendations and you had some. So I bought this stuff and I think it's like 10 bucks or it's like pretty cheap on Amazon. And it's called, it's like Walida Skin Food. And it's this super, like, rich moisturizer. And Ooh. it's really good for – Colorado is super dry in the winter. So it's recommended to use on, like, your elbows, your feet, your hands, like, really dry skin areas. But this influencer that I follow, she puts it on her face as, like, her nighttime moisturizer. And I've started doing that. And I wouldn't do it if you have, like, oily skin. But if you have, like, dry or combination skin, then I find it amazing. I really recommend it. And it's just, like, it's so moisturizing. So really good for winter. I Um, Here's – okay, so I'll make one recommendation uh, of – something that I love because at the start of quarantine back in early days of the pandemic um I also asked people because I was like I should really get a skincare routine going so I asked for like you know cleansers and uh like yeah overnight creams and what toners to get and so I put stuff together and for the most part everything that I got it's like I think it's fine I think it's doing all right but the one thing that I really really like is uh it's from a brand called peach and lily but I bought it at Ulta and it's a cold brew eye recovery stick and it's just it looks it's like it's a little like lip it looks like a lipstick bottle almost but it's like white and you just take off the cap and then it's like a stick and you just put it under your eyes I'm I'm miming this for Aurelia right now everyone put it under your eyes like that (laughs) And it's, like, so refreshing. So when I wake up after, like, having a terrible night's sleep or something and my eyes are, like, all puffy here, it's like, you know how all the celebrities have those, like, eye patches that they wear and then they, like, post their Instagram stories on their way to work and they're like, nah. 
Um, it's like that, but if you don't have time for that, it's, I love it. That sounds amazing. Also, have you ever done the cold spoons thing? No. So you just put two spoons in the refrigerator or like the freezer for a little while. And then then you put put them on, you can just put them right on your eyes and it feels so nice. It's like a little de-puff wake up thing. So this is like that, but if you don't want to put spoons on your face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, The other thing, the other moisturizer that I really like, and it smells so good, um, but (laughs) it fell on my tile bathroom floor and shattered into a million pieces because the container is glass. I need to buy some more. But it's like it lasts a long time. It's Saban. It's like this very like fancy New York like. Um, like they have skin and like bath and body products and it's a carrot um, like face cream which you'd think would be like weird but it smells so good and it's like very it's amazing I love it Um, highly recommend if you're in the the market for and I also uh what kind of face wash do you use? I use, so I have two different ones, one that I use in the morning and one that I use at night. And the morning one is, hold on, let me see if I can find it. I'm on Ulta's website right now. Um, cleansers. Okay, so this is the one that I use in the morning. It's Kiehl's, which is fancy, um, but I got it on sale and it's you see that cannabis sativa seed oil herbal cleanser i know pretty edgy for me um (laughs) actually the word that i would use to describe katie is edgy (laughs) but just this is like i use it in the morning because it's really refreshing it's like minty almost like for your face it's like the you know when you brush your teeth and you're like it's like that yeah. for your face. So I like this and would recommend it. This other one is just fine. It's uh, Pixie, the brand Pixie. It says Rose Cream Cleanser, but it has um, the ex- like those little like exfoliating things. Not like as pearls. harsh as like, yeah, Saint it's Ives. not as harsh as St. Ives, obviously. But I feel like at the end of the day, I need to, you know, scrub stuff off kind of. So that's why sure. I use this. I get that. So those are my two. Um, I use CeraVe. Okay, yeah. Heard of that? Mm-hmm. It's like pretty good. I honestly, I it was like all over TikTok, and you know I love TikTok, so I was like, mm-hmm. let's just see, and I like it. Um, and I used to use Saint Ives and Janelle. Um, <laughs> she used to work at Sephora, and she would like yell at me. <laughs> she was like, "That's too harsh. It is bad. It's not good." Um, so, you know, I've learned. Um, okay, so now is time, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Let's Google current events. Yay. Okay, why don't you Google it too, and I'll do it too. Current events. Current events. Let's see what pops up. I'm using the news tab on Google. To give me actual my, news my, stories. Mm. Man killed in shark attack at popular Western Australia beach. Oh no. 
I know. That's upsetting. You know, I feel like that doesn't happen that often anymore. Or maybe I just, like, don't know about it. But I think, like, sharks only attack people if they, like, feel... Um, maybe that's bears. Every customer has their own safe oh. fight story. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think sharks this... only attack humans uh, if they're, like, filming a movie. Like, it's an actor shark. Like Jaws. <laughs> okay, what's your what did you come up with, Katie? Sure. Okay. Um here's what came up first when I just Googled the word news. It's uh from CNN. It says why coronavirus vaccine polling numbers are mostly good news. A new Gallup poll finds that fifty eight percent of Americans said they would get vaccinated against the coronavirus if there was a an FDA approved vaccine available right now at no cost which 58% is like kind of a bummer I think like I would hope that it was higher um also fun fact 58% is was our voter turnout in Marion County here for the 2020 election I'm surprised Um, it wasn't higher than that it's always kind of around like 50 60% Across the board. Yeah. Are you saying 58% of registered voters or just of like residents? Of the electorate, a.k.a. eligible voters. Eligible voters. Okay. So like not children. (laughs) We're not including them in the. um, But yeah, so 58%, which I would hope it was higher, but this actually is up 8% from mid-September. it was just 50% of mid-September. So that's pretty good. Oh, you know what? Uh, I know we weren't going to do Lady of the Week, but, you know, Dolly Parton is killing it uh, with this vaccine and just all of the cool things that she's doing. She also has a Christmas album coming out and I think a Christmas thing on Netflix or something. She Thank really you, is Parton. like... We love you. What a... I stan her. I love Dolly Parton. Oh, have you listened to the podcast about her on NPR? No, I haven't. Oh, I should do that. Dolly Parton was on um, Brene Brown's podcast this week, and I haven't listened to that yet, but it is on my to-listen-to list uh, because I love them both. Um, You're you're saying because she donated money, right, to one of the vaccines, like to the research, her foundation donated money? Here we go. According to USA Today, we have – Fact check. Dolly Parton helped fund Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine research, which is 95% effective against the virus. So, yeah, she was one of the major funders for the Moderna vaccine. Someone said, like, she... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say someone... I saw someone say that the only reason that Dolly Parton isn't a billionaire is because she just keeps giving her money away. Hey, you know what? Nobody needs to be a fucking billionaire. That's all I have to say. About I, it. I agree. So I agree with good that. Good for her. Um Yeah, I uh I think that's so great. Um Moderna is the other one. Like the Pfizer one is one. Yeah, thing there's and Pfizer and Moderna. Okay. Um, well, Dolly Parton, I'm sure that you being our lady of the week is <laughs> a huge highlight and accomplishment. 
Um, yes. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's about time to introduce our guest for this week. What do you think? I think so as well. Speaking of awesome women doing things in the healthcare field. Uh, <laughs> look at that Very segue. Good. That was good. This week, our guest is the wonderful Gwen Sunkel, and uh, she is an indie comic, so you may have heard of her, but she's wonderful and lovely, and she actually talked to us not so much about comedy, but instead her uh, main job, other job, cool her job. Her career. Her career, yes, thank you. Um, as a, oh, what's the word again? The pa- She's a, a palliative care nurse practitioner. Thank you. Aurelia is the best. And Gwen is also the best. And <laughs> you're going to hear us all three talking together about the job. It's so cool. Enjoy. Hi, Gwen. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so, you know, we're just going to start right off the bat. uh, Interrogation style, hard-hitting questions. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, So, Katie, I... You, I don't think you realize how much you and I have in common because I definitely wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. Um, And now neither of us are. (laughs) And I went to um, an all women's college. Um, Oh my gosh, we are twins. So unusual. Yes. Um, So, and there was something else that you have mentioned on the podcast before that I was like, Katie does. Oh, we're both Pisces. (gasps) Yes, that's true. Yeah, Gwen has all of the best like Pisces memes that she posts on her Instagram story. And every time I'm always like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) It me. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, I, um, do we have time for me to tell this whole story? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We got time. Okay. Okay. All right. So initially, you know, I was going to college for English and I wanted to be a teacher And then um, I did a little bit of like, not so much student teaching, but like volunteering in schools and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I I don't have any interest in this. Like, That's the best way to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, what what they don't tell you when you're picking your job as, you know, a 16, 17 year old, 18 year old person is like how much of not that job you have to do for your job, you know? (laughs) Like, yes. yeah, like the, like the bullshit stuff. Yeah. yeah. If teaching was just like interacting with kids and helping them learn. Like it would be rad. Uh, and people would be like super fulfilled by that career, but that's so little. <laughs> oh, that's such a small percentage of it. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and so that's why people like kind of gravitate away from that. So um, anyway, but yeah, so I was, still majoring in English and, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was watching a lot of my friends like graduate from college and get jobs at Starbucks. Um, and in my sophomore year of college, I, um, as part of one of my classes, we went to one of those, um, like college pitch competitions, you know, Mm -hmm. where you, um, 
I, whatever the hell you're talking about and you like do it in front of people who are looking to interview like interns or like new hires at their company when they graduate. Um, and because of that pitch competition, I got an interview with somebody from the Coors Brewing Company. Oh, um, yeah, big excitement. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I like went to the interview and I'm talking to this guy and he asks me, he says, like, what is it in life that you are most passionate about? And I said, I think the thing I'm most passionate about is helping other people. And he said, well, maybe you can help me sell more beer. And like right then and there was like this like transformative moment in my life where I was like, oh, oh yeah so um I kind of totally revamped my schooling path and ended up going to nursing school because I wanted a really like hands-on way to help other people and feel like you know okay when I, I that's the most hands-on you can get yeah it was <laughs> right like, when I go home at the end of the day I can be like I did x y and z to make this person's life like better mm -hmm. um so that's kind of what attracted me to my current line of work. Yeah, away so, away from teaching. <laughs> right? I, I don't blame, yeah. That, I think the other thing too is like it, as kids, we're so limited in what we're exposed to job-wise. It's like, I, I don't know. It's either like what you what your parents do, what other adults you interact with, maybe what you see on TV, but like, yeah. Oh, and no, I think I that's mean, the thing with yeah. being a teacher, right? Because you're around mm -hmm. teachers your whole life growing up. Yeah, and I loved so, as a kid too. So I was like, why wouldn't I want to keep going to school? So um, I'm curious, Gwen, what made you want to be a hospice nurse specifically? Was that something that you found through classes or personal experience? Yeah, so... Um, I am a nurse practitioner now. I've been a nurse practitioner for about five years. Um, and like the big flex or the thing that everybody's like, what's the difference between like a registered nurse and a nurse practitioner? Oh, yeah, and tell like, us, because I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know you were a nurse practitioner. That's so cool. Congratulations. Oh, it's like you. a big achievement. Um, the big flex is that like I can write prescriptions. Like that's what everybody's <gasps> interested in. Wow. Uh, no. And like, oh, you can write prescriptions? And it's like, only for you, Chantix for you, because it's 2020 and why are you still smoking? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a master's degree on top of your um, registered nurse degree. And um, oftentimes, like when you go to the doctor's office or something, you'll see a nurse practitioner um, who does your visit. And so we can... Um, diagnose and treat is kind of the, like the extra piece of the puzzle that we can do that like um, a registered nurse or a licensed practical nurse cannot. Um, so when I was a registered nurse and I was working um, in the hospital, I worked in the ICU and I did um, also a lot of, um, I was a code blue consult nurse a lot, which meant that like anytime somebody um, was coding, which means that their heart had stopped or they weren't breathing. Um, like I would be a responder to that anywhere in the building. So um, I spent a really, it's a lot of time like um, 
kind of watching people get medical treatments at the end of their life that maybe they don't really seem to be um, enjoying, uh, for lack of a better term, and in fact, like, really seem to be hurting them or making the end of their life like more painful and difficult. And I think a lot of times that people don't know, you know, that they have other options. Um, so I, um, this is not the first job I've had as a nurse practitioner, but what particularly attracted me to this position is um, the, the type of work I do is called palliative care nursing. And so it's about, um, people who have a life-limiting illness, but they are still pursuing curative treatment for it. So like maybe they have cancer, but they're still trying to, they're still getting chemotherapy or radiation, or maybe they have um, really significant lung disease, but they're going to pulmonary rehab and trying to um, kind of uh, improve their function from that. So it's kind of like a two-part thing in that we are helping them manage the symptom burden of their treatments, because oftentimes we know that like the side effects and kind of unintended consequences of medical treatments have unpleasant effects. Um, so it's helping them manage those side effects so that they can continue to receive treatment if they would like, and then um, helping them plan for the future and say, okay, if this gets to a point where it is untenable, what is that point for you and what would you want it to look like then instead? Definitely. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so that actually kind of spurs a, another question for me. You know, when you're working with people uh, going through like the end of life kind of phase, um, I think a lot of the times, um, sometimes people like turn to faith or like spirituality or things like that. Do you find that there's any like uh, of that in what you do or do you try to like keep it more like science-based. I feel like with palliative care, it's, it's about the emotional stuff too, right? Yeah, it is. I like, I, um, one of the kind of the philosophies of like our type of nursing, um, uh, like a saying in it is, um, don't just do something, sit there. Um, and it's like sitting and listening to people and giving them space and time to talk about something that they've maybe never expressed in words before, um, is so powerful. Um, so just like my, my goal is kind of to meet people where they are. Um, you know, I grew up in a super religious, um, Judeo-Christian household. So I have a lot of like language about that, that I can kind of access if somebody's, um, talking about that kind of particular faith, even though like, that's not really part of like my faith practice now, uh, mm -hmm. as an adult. Um, but I kind of like let them lead that discussion and you know if it's like they have a different faith tradition than what I'm familiar with you know maybe I need to familiarize myself with that or you know maybe they don't have a faith tradition at all and they, we can talk on a like a maybe a more secular level about it so I just kind of try to like meet people where they are as opposed to because it, it doesn't matter what I think about the end of life like it's their experience um, there's no like right or wrong answer that they have to give to me. It's just figuring out like what's important to them. Yeah, I feel like there's, I would imagine there's kind of like a psychological aspect to the job 
Definitely. Or like, yeah, not, I mean, obviously it's a medical profession, but you know, a lot of it is mental, emotional. Um, yeah. My, like my first boss at this job told me that she's like, you can do palliative care, like without a stethoscope. So it's like really the value add of my job is getting people to talk about and think about, um, the end of their life, which very often people don't ever talk about until um, it's either too late or um, the kind of interventions or decisions that they would have wanted to have made um, like just aren't feasible anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find it so interesting and you're so right that Americans especially, I feel like there's no like intro to death. Like you just yeah. don't talk about it until you're like right in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, which is different from, I think like other cultures, like um, I'm reading the Tibetan book of living and dying. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, good advice. Um, do you have any like books or recommendations for people if they want to like get more comfortable with this topic? Yeah, um, a couple of really good books. One is called When Breath Becomes Air, and it's about a physician who was diagnosed with a terminal cancer in kind of his last year of life. Um, and then there's another really good one called Being Mortal. Um, so I recommend those two just to anyone kind of interested in death and dying and um, palliative or hospice care. Good to know. We'll look those up and order them from and, a local bookstore. Yes. And be, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> it's not depressing. It's just, it's part of life, you know, it's part of life. And, and I think that's like why people shy away from it. Right. Cause they think it's this unpleasant, scary thing, but I think the more you educate yourself, the less so that becomes. Yeah. I like, I hear so many people who say, you know, gosh, it's really my wish to, I, I would really like to die at home and not have to be subjected to um, a lot of medical interventions and hospitalizations at the end of my life. But I know that my family would be really disappointed if I didn't, you know, try as hard as I could to survive for as long as I can. And sometimes that's true. Um, you know, I, th I think especially like kids, uh, we don't want our like adult parents to that, that it's, it's hard to like think about them passing away or not being around anymore. But I think like probably more often than not, if you actually talk to your family about your wishes and said, hey, this is actually what I would want, they would probably say, okay. Absolutely. What I just have kind of some like practical questions because I honestly didn't really know what like hospice was mm -hmm. until um, I taught about it in like a sociology class for high schoolers and there's like a chapter on aging and uh, dying. So as a process, um, okay. yeah. So we talked a little bit about hospice, but can you just, I guess, like shed some light for people who maybe aren't familiar with it? Like, kind of what is it and maybe why people choose it? Sure. Or so, it is a choice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, toward the end of life, um, how, so how a person qualifies for hospice is that um, if they were not receiving medical treatment for um, the, the current 
illness that they have and it were to take its normal trajectory, would that person likely be dead in six months? Um, and that's not to say that everybody who goes on hospice only has six months to live. Um, you know, I've seen people be on hospice for years and years and years. Um, but it's, um, and then other people, you know, are on it for just a few short days. So, um, but so hospice is, again, you have a life limiting illness. Um, but at that point, you have stopped pursuing curative treatment for it. So you're not going to go to the emergency room um, when your um, COPD gets really bad. You're going to treat that at home. You are not going to continue receiving chemotherapy or radiation if you have cancer. Um, you're not going to continue um, to like have your stomach drained if you have liver disease and you're just going to kind of let that disease take its natural course. Um, again, though, with the medical assistance of kind of managing the side effects of that so that you can be as comfortable as possible at home. And, you know, that's all according to what the patient wants. If they're like, I don't want to feel any pain whatsoever. Um, keep me as knocked out as possible so that I don't, you know, know what's happening. That's totally okay. And if somebody else says, you know, it's really, really important, the most important thing to me is that I can still talk to my family and my kids. Um, and I don't, you know, want to spend the whole, you know, my, the last, my last few days unable to talk to them, then it might be a little bit of a trade-off between, you know, medications that can really be sedating um, versus, you know, having that time to be awake with your family. So it's just, you know, whatever that person wants. Yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine there's like a pretty big range. I mean, it's such a personal For thing. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So what exactly, what's like a typical day for you? Do you have kind of like one patient that you're with most of the time or do you have multiple patients that you see? Like I really have no idea. And as a piggyback onto that question, do you work in a hospital or at like a yeah. private care facility or what type of setting are you in? Yeah. So I actually visit people in their homes. Um, oh, okay. So I, um, you know, have a schedule of people that come across to me at my computer. I never go into an office or anything. I just like work from home and that was, you know, pre pandemic. Um, but, um, you know, I go and visit people in their homes um, and do visits there. Um, you know, we see anywhere from like six to 10 people a day. Um, I'm, you know, as a nurse practitioner, I'm not doing um, like, you know, in-home bathing care support or cooking for people or things like that. Um, you know, uh, I'm a just kind of little bit different um, job responsibilities as a nurse practitioner. But um, yeah, so it's almost like having a house call come to your house. Um, and part of the reason that we do that is, um, you know, a lot of people have issues with transportation, getting to appointments, or um, they're so sick that it's very difficult for them to leave the house, or they, um, their loved one takes really good care of them, but can't, but doesn't drive, you know? Um, so by like bringing that care to their house, the hope is that we can catch problems before they become emergencies. And then, um, you know, again, kind of build that relationships with people in their own homes to be like, 
you know, is, is, is your family seems really important to you. Like, look at all these pictures of your family on the wall. Um, is, do you want them to be there when, you know, at the end of your life or, or, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So. Do you, do you get like a lot of, I don't know, resistance from patients? Like they don't want to talk about these things. I don't know if they are like, just kind of ignoring it. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So personal. I'm sure people, you have a wide range. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, you know, a lot of people who, um, are, you know, I don't even want to say in denial, but they are so very focused on recovery that they are not able or willing to think about if that's not a possibility. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's where they are kind of on their human trajectory. Um, that's just, I think that especially comes up with like younger people um, where I'll say, you know, like, well, what have you thought about what might happen if these treatments stop working? Um, and they'll say, oh, no, you know, my doctor and I never talk about that. Um, we, we, we don't even think about that. Um, then you have other people who are, you know, very accepting of their um, kind of own mortality and understand their disease trajectory pretty well. Um, you know, a lot of people like already have their funeral arrangements made out and they're, they're like, yeah, I know that this is eventually going to end my life. So I'm going to have as much of it like planned out for both myself and the people I love in advance. Yeah, this my mom's already... No, my mom's already sent me a playlist that she wants at her uh, funeral. Ah. It, um, it's all actually my I mom mean, Catholic, told me a song so that she wants Catholic at song. her. She wants uh, hall, Hallelujah. Is that what it's called? Oh, you know that like, it's in Shrek, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's in other things. <laughs> my mom wants the. Uh, it's like the. I don't know the actual name of it, but it's like the Lord of the Dance. It's a Catholic uh, song oh. about Jesus dancing in the morning when the world was begun. Yeah, that's yeah. so. Yeah, so we've, mom, got, we've got some plans. My mom <laughs> wants that um, cups song by Anna Kendrick. From- <laughs> really? <laughs> Wait, that's amazing. Hey, what a great catchy song. song catchy song yeah. and yeah. everyone can like join in because everyone yeah, yeah you just say like bring bring your own cup to the funeral type thing yeah. no my my family and i like every time we have to attend a funeral i'll like get together afterward and be like hey we're not doing any of this okay <laughs> like <laughs> and we all have to make a promise to each other once again that we will not subject our dead loved ones to a funeral <laughs> just like in general no funerals yeah we're kind of just I, I I mean how expensive things are it yeah. blows my mind so I'm not like opposed to no funeral Don't even get me started on how like predatory and ridiculous the funeral industry is no offense if you're a funeral director like there's a very important service that's being provided, but it's also a sales job. Right. Um, 
And um, yeah, my family and I kind of all have plans to um, either donate our bodies to science or, um, you know, be cremated and you know not, not buried. Um, right. You know, my mom and that's how you end up haunting people. So yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for for the ghosts, not for the people being haunted, probably. I don't know. Maybe it would be. <laughs> what if I'm like a cool ghost that makes cool shit happen? <laughs> like a ghost that cleans someone's apartment for them or something. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? True. If there's any I'm ghosts trying that to are interested you. in cleaning, like let me know. <laughs> I heard you guys on the Ouija board episode. Maybe you can get, oh, yeah. and get your house. <laughs> I will say my grandpa was cremated, so I don't know that it was him because, yeah. Well, just because based on the rules of haunting that I'm familiar with. Um, I don't I think somebody can still haunt you even if they've been cremated. Because oh, okay. That's just your It's like if they have unfinished business, right? That's why yeah. they're still, they're, they're sticking around. Unfinished cleaning. Yeah. I'll be honest, most of what I know about ghosts comes from the CW show Supernatural that I watched all through high school and college, have since stopped watching. I know it's still on air, um, but I was a big fan. Nice. <laughs> nice. So obviously, you know, this is a pretty intense job. I would imagine you're dealing with some pretty serious stuff on the on the reg. Um for for somebody maybe interested in going into palliative care, um, what what's like important for them to know, or like important characteristics to have, um, like or things to maybe consider before choosing that path? Yeah, um, so I think patience is really important. Um, a lot of times, I will describe what I'm doing to people. Like we've had people join our team who are like, oh, some days I feel like I'm not like doing anything for people because a lot of times she'll go into their house and they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to chemo and I'm really tolerating it pretty well. And I'm not having a lot of problems. Um, and it's like, so you feel like you do nothing for them, nothing for them, nothing for them. And then you do the most important thing for them, which is help them like plan for the end of their life. Um, so I think patience is really important. And then like, with being able to have some of those conversations, like where Katie was saying, people are really resistant to talking about um, end of life care um, mm -hmm. or their goals of care. You know, just, you know, there are people who I've talked, you know, nine months with before we get to the point where they're willing to like designate somebody as a healthcare power of attorney or something like that. Um, so that um, compassion, flexibility, um, you know, my schedule changes all the time. And, and I mean, that's being a nurse in general is a lot of um, flexibility. Um, the particular like home care job that I have, you have to be like pretty self-motivated. And I, I mean, I really enjoy it because I don't, you know, I don't want to have to like fill out an office birthday card or participate in a secret Santa or something like that's I just want to go to work those are good points <laughs> and like yes I never see any co-workers or anything but at the same time it's like mm, nice trade-off you don't so. want zoom happy hours right now uh... <laughs> <everyone's> having to do. <laughs> yeah but I feel like you're still you know you're so hands-on with people I feel like that sort of makes up 
for, for lack of coworkers. And it's probably more, you know, rewarding working with those people than coworkers, I would imagine. Sometimes, no, but yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, sure. yeah. Creativity, I think is super important to people don't think about that a lot of times in nursing, but so much of nursing is like, okay, how can I get this message across to somebody in a way that is meaningful to them? Um, same thing with the teaching as well. You know, a lot of, a lot of different jobs you got, you got to do that. But um, yeah, so just the same like can spiel about, you know, how to treat kidney disease isn't going to work for every single patient. So That's interesting. I really hadn't thought of that. Probably everyone would benefit from some improv classes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gwen, is there, like, I'm just, and this is mostly coming from, like, the jobs that I've had, but with, like, working for the election board, I, like, there are so many things that I wish I could tell everyone and that everyone knew about, like, voting and elections. With teaching, it was kind of the same way, like, I wish I could tell just everyone that they would, like, know these things about education. Is there anything that you have like that uh, with your job that you're like, I just wish that people knew this. I wish people already knew this about either palliative care or hospice or anything like that. Oh my gosh, so many things. Uh, <laughs> just just primarily, you need to let your family know what your wishes are. Um, and with the holidays coming up, and I know a lot of people aren't getting together for the holidays, but maybe you're going to talk on the phone with people or like have a big Skype group call, um, you know, make talk about it i know that nobody ever thinks like oh this is what's you know i as a 38 year old you know don't need to plan for the end of my life but you know if i were to suddenly die what a relief it would be to my family um if like my parents already knew what my final wishes were you know mm -hmm. um and um so, so much of like the things that people worry about um, at the end of their life. They worry about like being a burden to other people. Um, it, it is a very common one that I hear. Um, and one of the ways that you can truly be less burdensome to the people that you love is to make some of those arrangements in advance or tell them what your wishes are. Um, so everybody, um, no matter their age, if you're an adult, um, needs a healthcare power of attorney, which is just a document that says who would speak for you if you couldn't speak for yourself about medical things. Um, doesn't have anything to do with like your bank accounts, your final wishes. Um, just like if you were to step outside of your house, get hit by a car, who would be kind of your, the, the, the person who could say, yes, she would want a blood transfusion or no, they wouldn't want surgery under any circumstances. Um, so like that's Sandra a, Bullock in While You're yeah. Sleeping. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God, that movie I, is so crazy. Such a good also, movie. Also, I, I love that movie, but also that's one of those movies that you're like, if this happened in real life, like this person would go to jail. Yes. Or like this would not end like this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I'm pretty sure she would go to jail. Maybe not. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> so another thing that I really, really wish people understood about 
um, kind of death and dying is that CPR, advanced life support, um, getting care in the ICU doesn't really look like it does on TV or in the movies. You know, often on Grey's Anatomy, you'll see somebody like get taken off of a ventilator and 15 minutes later, they're up walking around talking. And it's just absolutely not like that at all. Um, You know, remember when somebody is receiving CPR, they are dead. Their heart has stopped beating and they have stopped breathing. And the kind of tools and techniques that we use to try to essentially bring someone back to life um, are often painful and traumatic. Um, And the chances that those are going to be effective um, and result in someone leaving the hospital with the kind of same level of functioning and health as they did when they you know, prior to that event, um, really start to diminish um, and kind of go down as we age and have more complicated health problems. Um, so again, you know, your your wishes can change over time. Like you, if you're 25, of course, you like I I want to uh, you choke on a carrot stick or something. Of course, you want people to try to save your life. Um, but if you're 80 and you have, you know, kind of the start of kidney disease and high blood pressure and diabetes that um, it, it's going to be harder for you to recover from those kind of advanced life support interventions. Um, another thing that I really, um, that people ask about a lot is like what to say to somebody at the end of their life or when they're dying. So um, I know some people, you know, maybe don't have great relationships with their family or loved ones, um, their family of origin, or, you know, maybe someone is passing away who has, you know, kind of really hurt them. Um, and it's hard to feel like you have closure with that sometimes. Um, and, you know, I'm not the, um, like the, I didn't come up with this. It's a, um, hospice doctor, Dr. Ira Bjock, um, kind of distilled down the four things that people need to hear at the end of their lives. Um, and it's super simple. Um, people want to hear, please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. And it's so simple. And I, I just want people to know like that the, there's not never like it doesn't have to be some profound, um, out of the, you know, out of the ordinary thing. Like, like at the end of the day, this is what humans want to hear, um, to feel like comforted and loved at the end of their lives. I, I think another thing that I wish people would know that is like, it's okay for your wishes to change over time. Um, you know, what my wishes are as a relatively healthy 38-year-old woman um, might be different if I'm 88 and have heart disease, you know. Um, so it's okay to kind of revise that and change that. Um, not talking about it doesn't make the decision go away. You know, I, I say a lot to people, not making a decision is a decision. And the decision is that your family has to now make that, you know, make decisions on your behalf without your input. Um, And, you know, that's your choice. If you're okay with that, that's fine. But that's often um, something that you, you can go ahead and set up in advance. 
think that's really good advice. I know that's stuff that I don't really think about. And other than, you know, the playlist, I really don't talk to my family members about it either. And mom, it's okay if you want to change your playlist. Just you've heard it here first. <laughs> totally okay. Go different songs. It's all good. <laughs> oh, she also wants Irish whiskeys at her wake. That's what Ooh. my mom also has requested. Yeah. I'm saying this out loud because I haven't told my sister that and I know she'll listen. So uh, Maddie, write it down. <laughs> Irish whiskey and Lord of the Dance. You yeah. just remember in like the late 90s, early 2000s when everyone was so into Riverdance? What was I did oh, you Irish mean like dancing. how Katie still is? I took Irish <laughs> dance lessons for like four years. I was in parades. Oh, yeah. My- I had the wig, the like curly wig that I put on. I had the high socks. I had glue, sock glue. You would put it on your legs, like a giant glue stick. Yeah, I had all of it. I should, Um, I should get a picture for the Instagram. I think there were several improv shows where people forced you to Irish dance, if I'm remembering correctly. We were all really into that and Gregorian chant for like just a group, you know, and it's like as a collective, like white, white people, obviously white people. Um, but it was a weird cultural phenomenon. So I do have one more question before we move into our super fun game that I really, really me. overly prepared for. <laughs> um, so, uh, Katie and I both know that you're a comedian and, you know, do lots of amazing things in the comedy community. Um, and I was just curious, like, how do you balance this, like, really intense, serious job with, like, your other not serious <laughs> comedy stuff? Uh, I feel so incredibly lucky that I get to um, just literally laugh aloud as often as I do. Um, And being a comic definitely helps me like unwind and decompress from what can sometimes be a really very depressing job. Um, I I think a lot of times we as comedians or just performers in general take for granted that we get to see like a live comedy show, you know, sometimes five nights a week, you know, like if this was before COVID, of course. Um, But, uh, you know, we we really take for granted that like spark and interaction and hearing people laugh and laughing with other people. Um, I just, laughter is such medicine. Um, And so it's, it's very like healing for me. I started doing comedy before I started doing this job, but I'm like so thankful that I have it. Um, and then I'm just like very protective of um, like what media I take in and what I expose myself to outside of work. Like um, I don't watch a lot of movies or TV shows that have like a lot of peril in them. (laughs) Um, I don't like, uh, I'm not interested in anything like gory or like police procedure or medical procedure. It's like, you know, I've actually watched somebody bleed to death before. Like this isn't a game for me, you know, (laughs) this isn't entertaining. Um, So, you know, being careful about like what I take in with that. in my free time and then just like trying to draw good boundaries between um 
link my work and my social time, which has definitely been hard, um, I think, with um, COVID because it's like, well, I'm, I'm not doing anything tonight. I may as well like just work more or something. Um, but it's important not to do that um, because there will always be more work. Um, but your sanity has a an endpoint. <laughs> So I think we're all seeing that right now. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, solidarity with the nurses in um, Pennsylvania striking right now um, for better working conditions during COVID. Um, healthcare workers are really being pushed to the brink right now mm -hmm. in um, inpatient facilities. You know, in my particular line of work, I don't, but, you know, I, People are always going to be in their homes. Um, so my workflow and stuff hasn't changed nearly as much as, as theirs has. Um, but uh, yeah, I just want to um, mention how important it is to make sure that um, healthcare workers have fair and safe working conditions. Definitely. Def I mean, all the time, definitely yes. right now, they were asking so much of them. Um, yeah. yeah. They're going above and beyond. Um, is that a good transition to the game, Aurelia? <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> okay, so uh, did Katie tell you about the game, Gwen? Or is this going to no, be a fun surprise for you? Oh, no, this game is a total <laughs> surprise. Okay, so I have compiled some baby names from the 1940s okay and some baby names from today and you and katie are gonna go against each other and you're gonna say whether you think it's from modern times or the 1940s and katie why did why does this game correlate to gwen again <laughs> because she works with old people who were born in the 1940s oh okay. that's right yeah. okay <laughs> I know you told me, but I couldn't remember. <laughs> okay. All right. So do you guys want to do a boy's name or a girl's name first? Um, wait, are we like buzzing in or do we both get to answer? Sure. You know what? I would love for you to uh, buzz in. So go ahead and tell me what your um, buzzer noise is going to be. Um. In honor of the the crown coming back this week, mine is going to be Cheers, Governor. <laughs> okay, Gwen. Mine is gonna be meow. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, love it. Okay, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Boy's name or girl's name? Girl. I mean girl. gender is a construct. Just yeah. Okay. Um how about Charlotte. Meow. Yes. Uh, I mean, that could be a name either time, but I'm going to go 1940s. Eh, no, 2020. Whoa. It's number one for 2020. Popular. Yeah, popular. These are like top Sorry. 10. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were meant like, okay, okay. I've, I've got it now. But, but, <laughs> Sorry if I mis-explained no. this That's game. one for 2020? Uh-huh. On at least on babynames.com, your number one source for names and interesting. <laughs> interesting. 
Okay. Okay. How about um uh we'll do Thomas. Kids, governor. Uh, yes, Katie. 1940s. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, Only because about... in 2020 it would be Tomas. <laughs> That's true. Uh, how about um, Emma? Meow. Yes. When? I say 2020. That's right. Yes. I know a lot of people naming their babies Emma right now. That's. I feel like that's also a uh, like very much a 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. Maybe. I know. I know a couple of Emmas that are my yeah, age. I know yeah. Emmas. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone, Emma Watson. I don't know them personally, but. <laughs> Okay, we'll do a few more. Okay. Um, okay. Henry. Cheers, governor. Yes. That's to that's 2020. Uh, I thought I would get you with that one. Yes, it is. Oh. Which is interesting oh, because is I feel like Henry. it's like an old name. Right? It's, it's like an old those, man name. John Green named his kid Henry. This would have been like seven eight years ago um and i was like "Ooh, it's making a comeback so i think you know a lot of old names are making a comeback in the that's why i thought this would be a fun game (laughs) no totally (laughs) guys this is a turn i'm having the time of my goddamn life (laughs) (laughs) thanks for saying that gwen um okay uh okay we'll do one more okay theodore Meow. Yes, Gwen. I am going to say 1940. Uh, nope. I was thinking 2020. Roosevelt. I feel like that really could be both. That's yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Um, man, That's some so of these 2020 names are so interesting. Like Freya. Mm, I like you know that. Freya. Yeah. Freya. Um, Aurora is like number five. Ooh, that's close to your name. I know. Actually, somebody sent me like an article, and I think Aurelia was in like the top 500 or something for 2020 most oh, popular wow. names. I was I know noticing it's, through like a old, old family tree album thing one time a few years ago and one of the names in my family um the person's first name was clova and their middle name was clara so clova clara which i thought was the most beautiful name i've ever heard um very and, pretty yeah yeah and you know if i weren't barren i would totally <laughs> <laughs> i love the alliteration i'm really into that yeah. like the, the yeah. double c double cl you know yeah. Ooh. Double, yeah. Yeah, yeah. double alliteration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My favorite thing to do is like to make fun of uh, names of people's babies that I think are dumb, but I can't give you any examples because they're very specific. <laughs> I'll tell you after we, when we're, <laughs> we're not recording. 
anymore. Um, <laughs> I like it. I don't, I don't want word to get back to them. You can name your kid. It's your kid. You name them whatever you want, but also I can have opinions on it. Sure. Um, <laughs> those are the rules. Um, Gwen, did you have anything that you wanted to like promote? And if not, you can always just throw up your, you know, your socials. People can give you a follow. Um, I am hosting Indie Reviews Couch Cabaret. Um, Ooh. Yeah, which is a, a live show coming to you from your computer or television, whatever viewing device you use. Mm-hmm. Um, that is December 5th. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Gwenderwoman. Uh, excuse me on the hiccups. <laughs> I will say that like Twitter is my most unhinged unfiltered thoughts then it goes like instagram um where i talk a lot about being a pisces and being yes, gay. all pisces should definitely follow her <laughs> and then like facebook is um you know for the family so um wherever you fit in i want to follow me pick your level follow accordingly <laughs> yeah full unhinged crazy or like the sunday school version <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Perfect. Gwen, thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time. I learned so much and I really appreciate your your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.